Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to come to you all on this Tuesday, September 29th of 2020. We want to welcome all our listeners today, wherever you're tuning in from. We're so glad to have you join us today and and to make us part of, of this fellowship that we have in the Word of God. And I know that God has something for us today. Yesterday, uh, we started off with a tremendous, and, and really I thought it was a very thoughtful and deep discussion that the Lord led us concerning how one seeks the Lord, how that is initiated. And uh, I was so blessed. I got a chance to hear most of it uh, this morning and just to refresh my mind. And uh, I think these are conversations that really are needed in this hour. It, it's more than just coming together and, and saying, let's pray, let's seek the Lord. It, it, it has to be, as, as it was said yesterday, a decision that you have to make and by permission that the Lord really <laughs> gives us that insight. So we're, we're so grateful we were able to start uh, with that note. And, and I know God, I'm excited about what God is going to show us today in his word as we're going to be discussing the deeper things of God. In these last seven or eight months, you know, uh, every single story that the Lord, story or passage of scripture that God has allowed us to study really has been given us a, it's really a parallel of the days that we are living in this hour. And I like the other day what Brother Marty said is if, if we read the scriptures and we cannot find Jesus in them, then maybe maybe we need to re we have to analyze again how we're approaching the word of God. Because in this hour and every passage, that's the way you must see the word of God. Can I find Jesus in it? Amen. And so we're excited about today and we're looking forward to uh to what God has for us today. Today in our panel, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. And as always, uh we thank the Lord for this privilege and honor that he gives us to be able to study the word of God together. So, Brother Marty, uh, we'll leave it to you uh, today to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Yes, praise God. We, uh, we're glad to be back today on Tuesday as we continue to look into the scriptures uh, concerning uh, the visions of the prophet Ezekiel. The Lord has taken us there. We have uh, begun to explore uh, what was about to occur in the final days of of Judah and Jerusalem. And uh, the prophet was given his visions in the captivity in Babylon. <clears throat> he was part of the first uh, people that were led uh, and taken captive by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. A foreshadow of the Antichrist, as we've talked before, <clears throat> excuse me, and how uh, it was the rise of a global empire. And the only thing standing in the way between complete domination of the known world of that time and uh, and and the and the onset of of a global system and 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 a global uh, dictator, Nebuchadnezzar, foreshadow of the Antichrist, like we said, was the people of God and the and particularly the temple uh, in Jerusalem. It's political. Uh, royal and and uh, spiritual ruling class and the people that inhabited uh, Judah and Jerusalem at the time. And so that's what we've been looking at. And uh, 
Ezekiel was part of those who had been taken away captive. And from where he was at, he was given visions of the Lord uh, of the last days of, of, of the sacred nation and, and, and why and what would happen to it. And so that's what we've been exploring. And we're going to begin today uh, looking at uh, the progression. God began to show Ezekiel that his presence was being removed. And uh, he gives him a series of of four visions within the within the city and the nation. And that's what we're going to look at today. We'll be We'll be looking at the very first one today, and we'll, we pray that the Lord blesses us as we explore these things. We need his word, his permission, his spirit, uh, in order to understand what it is that we're seeing. So with that in mind, we're going to ask Brother Jeremy, if you wouldn't mind uh, reading uh, Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1 uh, through 6. And those of you who have your Bibles out there, we encourage you to to follow along in, in, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8, verse 1 through 6, and uh, and we pray in Jesus' name uh, that you'll be blessed today as we begin our study. Brother Jeremy, would you go ahead and read that to us, please? Yes, amen. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. Then I beheld, and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward fire, even downward fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of a hand, and took me by a lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked to jealousy. And behold, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes, now the way toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes, the way toward the north. And behold, behold, northward, at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said, Furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. My goodness. <laughs> Amen. And in uh, verse 6, uh, he asks the prophet, Son of man, do you see what they do? Do you see what they do? What was about to occur in the final days uh, uh, of Judah and Jerusalem is what we're seeing here and uh, and why uh, the judgment of God would come upon them. Uh, what was about to occur would come upon Judah, Jerusalem, the temple, and its inhabitants and the inhabitants of the city and the nation as a whole. It really was, like we were talking about yesterday, 
and Brother Fernando brought this up, it was a result of a, of a generational rejection of the Lord. Uh, and <clears throat> it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was a series really of, of over a, a, a century or so of behavior uh, that, that, that would bring this judgment. It, it was generational. And so, in other words, the judgment would come not necessarily because of one individual or even one event, uh, but it really was the accumulation of events over time of sins and and really the persistent rebellion at very high levels within the royal, political, and religious uh, elite ruling class of the nation. And so that when the people looked uh, to the institutions of their of their of their government and their spiritual leadership uh it, the the behavior of them filtered down to the general congregation and really the population as a whole including the conditions which uh which were now fully present to say it that way within the very temple of the Lord God of Israel uh, it didn't alarm them rather it was <clears throat> embraced by them so you know what was seen and what was being shown by by God to the prophet uh, occurred at a particular time period, and that's where we began to read. Um, could you read verse 1 to us again, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. So this is very uh, interesting because it sets the tone for what's about to happen. When you read Ezekiel chapter 1 through 7, uh, you know, you, you're gaining a, a, a time period of about a year and two months or so. It's in those visions uh, in, in the formative chapters of 3 and 4 and, and, and through there where Ezekiel was asked by God to do some very peculiar things. Um, and, and one of them was to lie on his side for 300 and he was, I think it was 90 days or 95 days on his left side. And then an additional 40 days, he would, he would lie on his right side within his house. Uh, it was, and, and, and the time period between those visions, which he was given at that time and, and the things and instructions he was given to perform, as the prophet of God uh, was approximately a year and two months or so uh, after that. So this is the second time uh, a year and two months later uh, that, that God comes to him. This time he's sitting in his house and, and it's identified as being the sixth year in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month. And we'll talk about that in a second. But he goes on to uh, identify that as he's sitting in his house, the elders of Judah are are all sitting in front of him. And, and he says, at that moment, the hand of the Lord uh, descended or fell upon him. The presence of God came upon him. You know, what's interesting is is the elders of Judah are sitting before before him, and, and really in many ways their presence is kind of like symbolic to me uh, for what's about to be revealed here. Uh, they, they're, they're the elders. Uh, their presence is symbolic of the, of the failure which the prophet Ezekiel was about to see. Uh, the utter failure of the of the elders, really, uh, over generations, is why they were in captivity now. And uh, and those that were left in Judah and Jerusalem, who were in charge, 
the prophet's about to see uh, their destruction. What God is really going to show Ezekiel as we get into this are four separate things in this eighth chapter uh, that he has shown. And then through 9, 10, and 11, we're going to see that what was being revealed to him was that the presence of God uh, was was unfolding and, and being removed systematically from the capital city and from the people. So in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1, he starts by telling us the time. And, and this is really important for us to understand. Remember, the details that are given to us in the Scripture uh, are, are meant to be thought about, pondered, researched, and, and understood because they're always very, very telling. And they set the tone uh, for us to be able to to dig deeper and understand exactly uh, the timing of God uh, and 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 the deeper things that God's trying to communicate to us uh, by by giving us these details. So when it says here in verse one, it came to pass in the sixth year. Uh, what it's referencing there is is it's been six years since they've actually been in captivity. It's been six years since they came and took them away. And as we talked about in our podcast series in, in the book of Jeremiah, there was a king by the name of Jeho- Jehoiakim uh, who ruled for 11 years. Uh, his rebellion against the uh, on, on uh, the emerging, I should rather say, Babylonian Empire resulted in his death. And and in replacement uh, was his son, I believe it was his son, was Jeconiah. And Jeconiah only ruled for about three months, at which time Nebuchadnezzar came down and took him captive, along with thousands, tens of thousands of, of others, a, a little over 10,000 people, uh, those that were part of the royal house, which included Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, the carpenters, uh, the 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 uh, what do they call those guys who who make weapons the the blacksmiths <laughs> the carpenters the yeah. masons the blacksmiths all you know anyone that had artistic value anyone who had skill anyone uh, of the general population who God really in essence had marked for protection whether they realized it or not what what appeared to be a horrible thing of 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 that generation being taken captive and brought into Babylon was in essence, as you go along in the book of Jeremiah, who was contemporary with Ezekiel, by the way, and vice versa, uh, it was really the, the spirit of God upon a generation that was being selected to preserve the nation, a remnant, if you will. They weren't all good, uh, as we would see when we studied the book of Daniel, but, however, there was within them the seeds uh, of of that which would be used by God uh, to to rebuild uh, the city of Jerusalem some 70 years later. But when we read here that it's the sixth year, it's, it's with that in mind. It's it's six years uh, into the captivity. The captivity had taken place six years before. Now, remember this. Uh, from the time that Jehoiakim became king until the time that Jerusalem was destroyed under the rulership of Zedekiah, was a 22-year period. So when we see Ezekiel having this vision, it's after the administration of Jehoiakim, 11 years, and it's six years into the captivity. 
for a total of 17 years. So what that tells us, as we have studied, those of you who have been with us, is that what we have from this point on that Ezekiel begins to have this vision, there's only about five years left, five years until the ultimate uh, destruction would come, the destruction of Solomon's temple, the, the, the destruction of the people, the ruling class, the religious class, the wealthy class, and, and, the, and the nation itself would be destroyed. So it's important to understand it's within that in mind. We're only literally, how many months are away from that? We're, we're, we're literally uh, only about 48 to, to 60 months away from the absolute destruction of this nation. Israel's already been carried away by the Assyrian Empire years before, but we're, we're down to this, this nation who, as we were reading yesterday, we're living under the self-delusion that they were the favored nation state of all nations and that they had the temple, the capital city was the great city of, of God, the great city of blessing. There was nothing that could possibly happen to them in spite of all that they had been witnessing over the last couple decades of their history and in spite of the rise of a global empire, all this stuff was not enough to jar the conscience of those uh, who were living under such times and we're talking about the people of God now. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about God's people and the prophetic parallels that we've been seeing uh, in, in the sense of applying what we can learn with how God dealt with a na his nation then and quite possibly how he's dealing with the United States of America now. And so what we're told is it's that sixth year. Again, it's the sixth year of their captivity. And it's it's identified as the sixth month. And that's an interesting phrase, and it's important to understand why we're pointing that out, uh, because it gives us insight into something I believe God wants us to understand, especially as the vision continues to unfold. It's the sixth month. Now, that month is called the month of Elul in the Hebrew calendar. It's the month of Elul. And, and again, uh, this is important because the clock is ticking, and, and now the, the presence of God is going to leave, unbeknownst to the people and its leaders and its religious leaders, God's presence is already leaving them. The, the verdict, uh, the, the judgment has been determined and the verdict is about to be imposed, and that's what the prophet's going to see. But he identifies the year, and he identifies the month, the month being the month of Elul. Why is this important? What is it important about this month? Well, I think you'll find it very interesting. Uh, and I did this morning as I was re-looking re at this, because we have just we have just finished the month of Elul ourselves. Uh, if you were to reckon the time that we're living in right now, uh, you know, the end of September, we've, we've just lived through the month of Elul. And I find that fascinating that God has this here in the book of Ezekiel uh, in the month of Elul is when this vision is being shown to him. And uh, it's interesting the Spirit of God have us here looking at the same time frame, same month uh, that, that he actually had the vision is the same month we have just come out of. It's incredible to me because I think God is speaking to us and revealing some things to us now. 
Let's take a look at this. What is the month of Elul? It's the month that connects the past year with the coming year. And what the month was meant to be uh, was uh, was the month. Uh, what the month of Elul really is is when they reflect on where they are with God and where they should be headed with God. It's 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 the it's the entire month is designed to cause the nation to reflect on its spiritual condition, its moral condition, its its national condition, and where they want to go with God. It culminates with the day of of atonement after the 10 days of awe where they reflect and they repent and they fast. And then it culminates with Yom Kippur, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. Remember that Yom Kippur is when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He would offer a single drop of blood on the mercy seat. And, and it is called the day of atonement. It was a day of national forgiveness, but the month prior leading up to Yom Kippur is called the month of Elul. And it, 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 in essence, it culminates with Yom Kippur, which is it, 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 it was symbolic of the forgiveness of the nation's sins for the past year. And why this is important to understand, keep that in your in your in your thoughts, because the very first thing that God's about to reveal to Ezekiel in the vision. So again, the month is meant to be where they reflect on where they are as a nation with God and and where they should be headed. It, it, the month of Elul, it, it's called the month of repentance, the month of mercy, and the month of forgiveness. It culminates with Yom Kippur. In truth, the vision which is about to be shown to Ezekiel is exactly the opposite of what they were actually doing. The vision at this time, and that's why Ezekiel wrote it, uh, it was most significant. He was going to be carried away in the visions of God at the time that the, the high holy days were approaching, the days of Ah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. But they were utterly disregarding this, and their fate was being sealed by themselves, by their behavior. The Lord shows Prophet Ezekiel both what we're going to see is his the public and the private behavior of the people. And so what we're going to see in chapter 8 are are the four abominations, as God calls them, that ultimately sealed their fate. And we, we referenced these yesterday. Uh, you know, the first one that he's going to see is the idol or the seat of jealousy and the image of jealousy uh, uh, by the gate toward the north. And we'll talk about that in a second. And the second thing he'll see is he's brought into the secret chamber where the ancients of Israel are worshiping uh, images of the most (laughs) paganistic, uh, dark, uh, demonic gods of the nations around them. They had created a chamber in the very house of God, in the temple, underneath the temple mount, where they had engraved in the walls. It wasn't just merely paintings. Uh, In my further research, I found that what they had actually done was actually carve into the very marble walls into the lime structure of the walls, um, these pagan heathenistic portrayals uh, on the walls underneath the temple. And in there, they were offering incense to idol gods. That's the second thing he would show them. The third thing he would show them would be the women uh, weeping uh, uh, at the the idol of Tammuz, which had been set up in the temple. And then finally, 
25 political leaders uh, and, and, and members of the religious class uh, that, were, that were worshiping the sun and had totally and utterly uh, turned their back on God. Those are the four abominations that he's about to be shown. And, and, and that's what we're going to look at. But today we're going to look at the very first one. We're going to look at, at the seat of the image of jealousy. So what we're told here is that the elders are gathered there in his house. And, and he talks about the specific month. Again, I want to emphasize why uh, the vision came at this time. Because the behavior of the people was supposed to be one of where they were reflecting and repenting, seeking God's mercy and forgiveness. Instead, <laughs> which right. is why we were talking about that whole thing that happened in Washington, D.C., right? <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it was supposed to be a time of incredible, intense scrutiny and introspection and repentance. Instead, it was anything but. And and it, it, it's it's an attitude of both public and private behavior that the prophet's about to be shown, God's people, what the condition really is like. Go ahead, brother. You can say something? Yeah. You know, as we go into the first abomination, that that's what we're going to be speaking about. Um, it's interesting that in the month of the Lord, as you've been saying, is seen as a time to to really search one's heart, right? And right. to draw close to God. But what caught my attention is, is to search one's heart and to draw close to God in preparation for the coming day of judgment. I thought that was right. interesting. Yeah. Uh, they should have been preparing their hearts for what was coming, right? Uh, yeah. Searching their heart, and, and I think they missed it. Yeah, and what he's talking, and what 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 you're reading there, and, and uh, to us is is really talking about the the day of judgment was Yom Kippur, right? It, it's the day yes. that that represents judgment. Rosh Hashanah. Yes. Yes. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, uh, which gives way to the Rosh Hashanah, the ten days of awe, and then Yom Kippur, right, which gives way to, to Sukkot, which is the feast of ingathering, a celebration after the day of judgment. Or as it's known, the Day of Atonement, right? The Day of yes. Atonement, when the High Priest comes into the Holy of Holies, and instead of judgment, which we all deserve, that drop of blood would be placed on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, and and God's presence would illuminate the Holy of Holies, and 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 the Shekinah glory would would illuminate the innermost chamber of the temple, and and there the High Priest would then know that the sins of the nation had been forgiven. So it could either be a judgment day or a day of atonement. And that's why in Elul, the month of Elul, leading up to that day of judgment you were referencing, they were meant to be reflecting and repenting, seeking God's mercy and his forgiveness. Instead, 17 years into this, into this experience where the rise of a global system and the foreshadow of the Antichrist Nebuchadnezzar is on the march. They've already been taken captive. They've come under the sway of it in such a, in such a, a, a symbolic way for us to reflect on. Those that were in captivity, what, what was common to them was that they were not able to, to participate in open public worship where they were led captive. 
They were under the captivity and the sway and the influence of a global power already. And, and, and the elders have gathered into the house of, uh, of Ezekiel at this particular time. It evokes memories of what they would have been doing had they been back in Jerusalem. They, would have, they, they, they should have been leading the people. Uh, there should have been an attitude of, of repentance being preached from the pulpits of their synagogues and, and a pervading sense of, of uh, seeking God over the past year, uh, preparing them for that great day when the high priest would go in on Yom Kippur, the day of judgment, as you referenced it, in order that it would become instead the day of mercy and forgiveness. And that's why it's so incredible what God has Ezekiel do and 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 what he does to Ezekiel. It says there in verse 1 that the elders of Judah were sitting before him and the hand of the Lord falls upon him there. The presence of the Lord falls upon him. And it's interesting what he sees first and foremost. Can you read that in verse 2 to us? Yes, yes. Then I beheld and lo a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward, fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. Amber. So what we're actually seeing here in verse 2 is, is, a, is a pre-incarnate uh, Christ, the Lord Jesus. And, and what he sees... Uh, uh, is is him before he would come to earth but the point is we're we're seeing Jesus here that's the way John described him his eyes are like a flame of fire right from his loins from his feet are like a fiery furnace like his his feet were in a fiery furnace when he sees him in the book of revelation this is Jesus Christ that we're witnessing here you know what's interesting brothers as i find it interesting is in the old commentaries the old uh commentaries of of the rabbis when they get to this second verse, they all of them say, we're not permitted to talk about this, <laughs> which I find right. interesting. You know, we're not allowed to talk about this, they say, uh, because because they don't they don't know who it is. But we do. We see him functioning here as judge because he is the judge, right? What he would declare in Matthew, right? All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And he also said it when in his time when he walked upon the face of the earth, he said, you know, the Father has committed all judgment to me. Right? I, I am the judge. And that's what he, he stands here. Uh, the appearance of fire from his loins downward and the fire from his loins upward. Uh, the brightness of the color amber. So he's seeing a pre-incarnate uh, Christ. The, he is from everlasting to everlasting. He's seeing the Son of the living God. And so he puts forth his hand, and he takes him by the lock of his head. Can you read that in verse 3, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And he put forth the form of a hand, and took me by a lock of my head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the, he and the heaven, and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked to jealousy. Again, remember, 
He's uh, he's being carried uh, by the wind of the spirit. That's literally what that means. What's interesting here, when you actually get into the deeper Hebrew meanings of these words, what appears to have happened here is that Ezekiel, uh, where he says he he took me by a lock of my head, it it, it appears to be that that his body, uh, in essence, collapsed as his spirit left it. It, God reached into his clay vessel and removed his soul and his spirit wow. and carried him in the wind of the spirit. This is what he's describing. He literally left his body and was carried uh, by the wind of the spirit. Uh, it's it's fascinating, and 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 we could t- we could talk about length at length. Uh, in these matters um, of what revelation in the spirit looks like. You remember when the apostle Paul talked about this uh, in, in, in one case, I think it was to the Corinthians. I think it was where he said, I don't know whether I was in the body or out of the body. He said, I was carried right into the visions of God, into the third heaven. John talks about that in the book of revelation. He says, I was what, in the spirit on the Lord's day? And then he's carried into into heaven. Ezekiel, this is what happened to him. Uh, when it says he grabbed me by a lock of, uh, of my head, he's literally saying that the hand of the Lord pulled him from his physical body and carried him in the wind of the spirit between the heaven and the earth. <laughs> You, you all who've been around me long, you you know this is why I pray the way I do when I preach in a public setting, uh, yes. because we we're, we're asking God to carry us in the wind of the Spirit to behold wondrous things out of His Word. Yes. It's an incredible thing that's being revealed here. He lifted Him up between the heaven and the earth. That's multiple dimensions, uh, and, and and He takes Him in the visions of God to Jerusalem. And where he takes him, we begin to examine what he first wants to show him. Because what he's about to show him and what he's dealing with first and foremost is the condition uh, of the nation. Can you read that to us in verse 6? That's who he's first addressing is the nation. He said furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. So the first thing that he begins to deal with is the nation as a whole. Do you see what the house of Israel is doing? So he deals with the public condition. He shows him what, is on the outside before he shows him in 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 verse seven and 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 on as we'll ex- examine that tomorrow. But we but we want to understand. I think what he shows him on the outside first is because what he would reveal to him next, which is the ancients in that secret room we were talking about, uh, worshiping demonic gods. 
Now, I'm trying to be really delicate here. You might hear me hesitating in many ways I'm talking this morning, because this passage of Scripture that we're looking at, this eighth chapter, if if we really dug into it, is is so intensely dark, man, that we have to be very careful how we talk about it so that we don't evoke images within within the weaker minded that might be listening because <laughs> you already have enough <laughs> you have enough to deal with man <laughs> trust me so uh but you know go ahead you can say something bro no i just think that's crazy that's just so true though it <laughs> is be careful yeah we, well we have to uh, many many of these passages of scripture uh in the in the traditions of the elders and 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 uh, and the rabbis themselves you know they they talk about it amongst the men you know the ministers but they don't really publicly discuss these things uh in in the depth that they could be precisely for that and we have to be mindful of those things ourselves so but what he's taken uh, because it's in the word of god it's meant for for us to understand he's removed from himself and carried in the visions of God um, to Jerusalem. I find that really interesting uh, for many many reasons, and and one of them is 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 consider what's about to be shown is the antithesis of of what he's of what he's seeing. In other words, how he's shown it is the antithesis of what he's about to see. He has to be removed from his flesh to behold what's actually taking place in the flesh. It's it's really interesting. And I'll just leave it at that. So he, he and it's visions of God. The way he showed him is very interesting because he didn't have a dream, right? Like Daniel had dreams. Right? Joseph had dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh but he didn't dream this. You know, this is this is a this is a con, con, you know, completely different kind of of insight the spirit gives him and how God chose to do it. He takes him uh, to be the unseen witness in the realm of the spirit to the actual activity of, of what's taking place in the sixth year of the sixth month, right? In the month that they were meant to be repenting, reflecting, seeking God's mercy and forgiveness. He, he takes him to witness exactly how they were acting in the month of repentance. And so where he first takes him is to see what he calls the seat of the image of jealousy. And before we get into that, it's important because he, could you read read to us uh, where, start where he brought me in the visions of God in verse three. Could you start from there, Brother Jeremy? Yes. <clears throat> Here we go. And he brought me and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looked toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked it to jealousy. Now, before we discuss that, I want you to understand that what he describes here at the door of the inner gate is the seat of the image, which is different than verse 5. Read verse 5 to us, Brother Jeremy. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way toward the north. 
So I lifted up my eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. So it appears that there's two different locations that he's being carried to, and they're both significant, and, and it's the first peg, if you will, in the puzzle or the first piece of the puzzle of the picture that's about to be unfolded. When he completes the picture and revealing it to him, it's over. And and it's already over, but he's going to see it in a systematic way. So he starts first with the condition of the public house of Israel. And he's shown two things. The location is, is, is vital. Uh, the location first in verse uh, 3 is 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 the north uh, looking, the, the door of the inner gate that looks north, toward the north where the seat of the image of jealousy was, which provokes to jealousy. It's it's this gate uh, which looks toward the north. The inner gate is very symbolic because the north is is precisely where we are told that that the dwelling place of heaven is. Right, he sits on the <clears throat> congregation in the sides of the north. Right, you know your scriptures, Isaiah fourteen. Yes. Right, Isaiah uh, 14. that's that's. Yes, it's symbolic of the north. That's why at the beginning of, of Ezekiel, where does he see God coming from? Turn over there in chapter 1, would you, Brother Jeremy? Chapter 1. <laughs> from the north, but here we go. That's right. Uh, verse 3 and 4. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Shebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Right. So it's out of the north. His calling occurred out of the north. When he first sees God, he sees him coming from the north. It, it, it's heaven itself, the presence of God coming from heaven itself. The temple on the earth, remember, was meant to be a reflection of the very temple in heaven itself. As a matter of fact, the tabernacle that Moses and the children of Israel built originally in the wilderness when God gave Moses the instructions as he came down from Mount Sinai, he said, see that, according to the book of Hebrews, he said, see that you build everything according to the pattern that was shown you in Mount Sinai. It's a reflection mm -hmm. of, of, of the temple in heaven. And so the fact that in verse 3 of chapter 8 uh, here, what, what, he, what God first draws his attention to is where they set the seat or the foundation of this image was, was in the north. It, the image was was set up in the north and 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 it's the gate uh of that entry that inner gate that's very important here and we'll talk about that in a second but it's symbolic of heaven and and if we had the time we would get into the the deeper prophetic implications of these things because they're being replayed in our time and 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 what they were 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 prophecies of the desecration of the future house of God. Remember what he says, uh, and, and we'll touch on this in, when we finish today, but but he talked about the, the coming of the wicked one could not happen until there is a falling away first. 
And so, in essence, what we're witnessing here in the people of God of this time is the falling away. It's the replacing of God. Remember what the Bible says concerning the church of the end time, that the wicked one uh, cannot be revealed until there's a falling away first, and he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Literally what that means is the Holy Spirit, who is the restraining force within the house of God, when he is removed, uh, it creates the vacuum uh, wherein the image, if you will, of, uh, or the wicked one will, will then be revealed. Uh, there must first be a falling away uh, before the ultimate revelation uh, of that Antichrist in the not-too-distant future will, will, uh, will be fully realized. And why we're looking at this is because we are seeing the same things unfolding in our time. And so it's important what Ezekiel points out here in his specifics, it's the door of the inner gate that looks toward the north. Now, <clears throat> this gate that he's talking about where the, the seat was or the platform, this is an ancient platform. If you go back into the study of Scripture, you'll see that this kind of wicked idolatry began under the rulership of Manasseh, and it was carried further along after his, after his death by his son Ammon. But it was Manasseh who brought up this, this, this seat of the image. Uh, apparently, and there's some debate over this, but this particular image uh, had been removed by King Josiah when he became king. If you remember, King Josiah would be the one who died on the fields of Megiddo and would be replaced by Jehoiakim, who then was slaughtered after 11 years of rebellion at the end of his, his rulership and replaced by Jeconiah. Jeconiah was then taken captive by Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, and six years later, Ezekiel's having this vision. So what we're seeing here is that the foundations are revealed. The seat of the image set right where people would come into the courtyard of God. They enter into the north part, which is symbolic of heaven. It's meant to evoke thoughts within the hearts of the people attending the services. That it is our God who dwells in the sides of the north. And that I'm really supposed to be checking out my material existence, my sensuality, my, my sins, everything that has to do with the outside world. Once I come into the very entering into the house of God, I should understand as I approach from the north that I am about to engage in the worship of Almighty God, and my mind should be on that. But instead, what God shows him is they've never removed the foundation of the platform which set in motion uh, all the things that are going to culminate with the ultimate judgment of the land. They left the platform in place. So it symbolically, it's an ancient spirit. It's a reflection of the devil that was remaining there, that pervaded the culture. That's one thing. The second thing is, check this out, and I want you guys to jump in here now. This is the gate. Think of this. This is the gate where they would lead the sacrificial lambs into the courtyard. And it was right here at this gate where those lambs would be slaughtered and prepared to be brought to the altar. 
what is this? This is significant <laughs> uh, because God is revealing uh, the state of the nation. Uh, the seed of the image was where the only thought should be on the lamb. Instead, there's there's a competing thought there. Are you with me? Yeah. Are you awake? <laughs> Does that make you think of anything? This is where the lambs were brought and where they were slaughtered, right at the gate of the north. What are we told about the Lamb of God? He was slain before the foundations of the world, right? He was slain, mm -hmm. as it were, within the councils and meditations, however you want to say it, of God in the eternal past. The origins of the sacrifice of Calvary were first realized in, in, in heaven itself, in the north. And it's here mm -hmm. symbolically where where this wicked king fully controlled by by the devil himself had set up the the seat of the image and and it was allowed to 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 stay there and so what you have is a situation of people coming to the house of God and rather than their minds being focused on the lambs that were that were a symbolic of of of, of the calvary that was yet to come uh rather than being focused on that their 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 minds are diverted uh, and 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 compromised. It's a dual nature that's that's entering into the house of God, and it's a complete disregard for the Lamb. How that applies to us today, I think it's fairly obvious. But what God is revealing there is the significance uh, uh, to uh, insignificance is because it, it's representing the state of the nation of His people. Remember, this is Elul. Go ahead. No, we we touched in in part on a lot of these things concerning the the rebellion of Lucifer in heaven, uh, where where he said that he would ascend to the sides of the north, right, of the mountain of the congregation, um, and 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 that he would set his his throne there. Um, so right. what, what's what's taking place uh, in in what we're reading in the days of Ezekiel. Um, whether the people realize it or not, or even us, you know, who are reading this story, realize it was taking place here is satanic, very mm -hmm. satanic. Yeah. And and that's why, you know, we're kind of being careful about what we're saying. But the truth of the matter is that the, this is what was taking place in the nation of Israel, right, in the nation of God, right, mm -hmm. in, in, in Jerusalem in particular. Um, you know, the nation was divided by then, but uh, it was satanic in nature. They were playing out, you know, with this, with this, um, with this, 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 this idol of, of, of jealousy that's being erected, right? Uh, mm -hmm. What, what, what had, what had taken place before the foundation of the world when Lucifer rebelled, right? Uh, now this same spirit, this nature that you call it, the dual nature. Uh, it's now being played out in the very lives and and leadership, spiritual leadership of of Israel that has given itself over to this satanic power to do mm -hmm. whatever the devil wants them mm -hmm. to do, which is ultimately to be worshipped. In the house of God. In the house in of God. God. Yeah. Yeah. And and see <laughs> again, just to fast forward to our times. In the United States of America, you know, we're saying the same thing is happening today. 
there may not be a little, there might be, who knows, but what we're, what's being exposed is not only uh, the compromised uh, attitude, you know, uh, of, of modern day Christianity, but also its leadership, you know, and, and to me, I think that's why God goes on in the second thing, which we'll deal with tomorrow to reveal the ancients are actually in secret, completely given over to these, these demonic things filled with all sorts of things that you can't even imagine and we won't discuss at length but but chiefly driven by by the lust for material gain money and and incredible sensuality that that they were giving themselves over to the result is is the outflow of 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 the corruption of the hearts of the ministers uh had had filtered down uh, into the hearts of the people. Remember, the ancients, the elders, the priests, they were responsible for the condition of the house of God. But what you see now is a people coming into the house of God at the time of Elul, when, which was meant to prepare them for the festivities that were ahead, which were the days of awe, giving over to Yom Kippur, followed by the great feast of ingathering and celebration of a new year and a thankfulness for what lay ahead. They're, they're, they're completely, they could care less about this stuff. It had become more form and ritual, but they're entering the house of God with what Brother Fernando so aptly described as a nature of, of, uh, <laughs> of the demonic influence upon their minds and their hearts and they found nothing wrong with that. They're five yeah. years away from being destroyed as a nation. They've already been experiencing incredible judgments over the last 17 years. And it wasn't enough, even, even to the point of, of their brothers being brought captive and carried across the sands into Babylon itself. And they're five years away, and it wasn't enough to jar them out of their Disneyland mentality where everything's cool and I can just be any way I want to be. It's incredible. Let me ask you this, okay? We're in the same season, right, uh, where we should be uh, examining our hearts. Uh, the fall feasts are are here. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a time of, of, of examining our hearts and, and really repenting. What we're seeing displayed by the the so-called spiritual leadership of the nation um, is exactly quite the opposite, right? So the question is this. Um, is it ignorance? Somebody may say, well, it, I don't know if it's that bad like it was in the days of Ezekiel where the, the you know, the, the, the spiritual leadership was doing this incredible satanic or given over to this satanic spirit where, you know, that's what they were worshiping in the temple. Right? Or or yeah. is what they're doing, the spiritual leadership of our nation, satanic in nature? Are they I being think, taken over? I absolutely right? think yeah. I mean look at the guy at Liberty University recently, right? I yeah. mean, to to be delicate uh, about what was going on with him, I mean him and his wife were engaged in, in the most perverse of behaviors. Uh open adultery. Right. Uh, you know, perversions of all sort, drunkenness, um, you know, and leading the major evangelical university in the in the country. He was the leader. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I mean, 
And you know what is really tragic is that the exposing of the sin, eh, that's terrible. And we go on. I remember the evangelist from the 80s who got in trouble. You would have thought the entire world was ending. Now. <laughs> Normal, right. Eh, eh. No big deal. We're all human, right? Well, yeah, that's true, buddy. But, you know, what you're talking about, Brother Fernando, is the level of satanic influence that's come. See, I don't know how honest we can get, you know, as far as how much we can open this up. Uh, but but what we're witnessing is exactly what you said. How deep do you want to go? Remember, it, when we get to verse 5, it's, it's, it's an image that's there. But at the entrance point, which is symbolic of heaven itself, is the platform. The image isn't standing on the platform. It's an old spirit, and it is reflective of the original fall of Lucifer, allowed to exist now right. within the house of God, right? That's what you're saying. And that's that's an incredible thing. You were gonna say something? No, I, I, so the I, Bible I, uses that word it. "ancient" too, right? <clears throat> what you just said. Well, Sorry about right. that. No, no, that's no, right. Go ahead, brother. So, so again, let's go back and reflect on how the vision begins. He removes him and then has him uh, seeing these things suspended between earth and heaven. And, and it's it's very symbolic of what God was trying to say, was that the origins of 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 the judgment that's about to befall the nation, or the or the reason or the premise for it is that it's not just simply con, con, confined to to earth. It has literally transcended itself. It's lifted itself up from the earth, which is why He has Him suspended between the heavens and the earth. So that he can truly see <laughs> uh, what is actually happening in the spirit, man, is that same re repeat of the original fall has overtaken his people. So that they have actually penetrated into the realm of the spirit. That's why, that's why it wasn't enough to have a dream. It wasn't enough to be a Jeremiah being there physically. This is something different. This is a vision given to, to a prophet in captivity because of the history that's about to be unfolded and that will carry through to its ultimate conclusion. But he had to see it from there, and it had to be presented in a way that seems to be indicating that the sin was so pervasive that it had left the realm of simply uh, an earthly-type sin into mm -hmm. a sin that that pierce, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying, brother? It, it, it's, 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 it, they were literally uh, enacting or performing the, the, the same sin of Lucifer. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way around it mm -hmm. on earth. What, what the Lord was trying to show Ezekiel is, look, this is being performed in, in on the earth. They're erecting this, this, this image this imagery, right? And, and you know, from just in the natural, it looks like, okay, whatever. It's a statue. It's it's, it's an idol, whatever. And the Lord's mm -hmm. saying, no, 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 no. You have no clue what they're really doing. I'm going to show you. I'm going to take you between the heavens and the earth, so you can see both dimensions and see yes. that this sin is transcending the natural. And it That's is. Correct. They are proclaiming rebellion. 
of the yeah. likes not seen since Lucifer rebelled against me. It is the same rebellion they are proclaiming on the earth against me. Mm-hmm. The, oh man! Wow. Yeah, I don't even know if I should t- go here, but and if I if I it just stop me if I'm if I'm out of line here, but see. <laughs> What we're talking about right now is is a quality of darkness that attaches itself to the energy that is emitted, for lack of better descriptive words, that is emitted from the soul. And see, whether you realize it or not, we are broadcasting... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's yeah. coming out of us. Yes. And yes. and right, you know what I'm saying. And here we have a nation that's remaining now. Uh, you know, in Jerusalem and Judah, that like Brother Fernando, you were just saying, the very behavior and activity of, of this dimension of darkness, uh, which happened to them, uh, it pierced just the 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 current of of the natural it pierced it see i'm thinking of the same thing happened because it is and and, and i have this in my earlier teachings we never got to but but you see the same thing happening let's say in uh in the days just before the flood right of in noah's day you know their their sins reached to the heavens you know, God came down to <laughs> to see what was going on, right. and this, the same thing happened after the flood. Right? They build the Tower of Babel, seeking to open a portal uh, of access to the demonic that once was before the flood. And again, here we see uh, the same thing happen. Think about it. Because these are the days of Elul when Moses went up to the Mount Sinai in the wilderness and was coming back down with the tablets uh, that that they created a golden image, right? The calf. And they were doing the same thing then. Uh, and then here we are, have this, all these years later, the Temple of Solomon, absolutely desecrated, uh, yet without conscience. And almost in a blatant sense, how does that apply to us today? It's it's the meshing of 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 these these active spirits that have been unleashed across the landscape of the West, uh, which was Christianized, and and it's come to rest here upon our land. It is why we lamented the gathering in Washington, you know. What I was thinking about, we were talking about yesterday in, in Ezekiel chapter nine, verse four, where it where it says that that can you read that to us, brother Jeremy, nine four? Yeah. <clears throat> it says, and the Lord said unto him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry, for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Okay, so what 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 I noticed and what I hadn't thought of, and I believe the Holy Spirit, I say humbly and prayerfully, so quickened me to think about 
was that what Ezekiel was seeing was, and what God was presenting to him when he showed him the men that cry inside for the abominations that were done in the land and in the temple, so forth and so on, is is a time where not even repentance and remorse of, of the few can change the ultimate direction that the nations headed into. It had reached that point. So that right. even if you had a few trying to repent, it wouldn't matter anymore. All that was going to happen is that they would be preserved. Individually, like you talked about yesterday, it's a choice, it's a personal revival. When you mentioned Brother Ravenhill dying with a broken heart, well, he was the revival, right? He was the one. Right. But but in their case, why Ezekiel in chapter 9 was shown those individuals was to indicate just how uh, beyond, uh, you know, help they had, the nation had reached, yet to also encourage us and, 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 and spur us on to understand that our individual responsibility before God is, is, is paramount, especially at a time when judgments uh, are falling uh, upon a nation or a world in our case. Right. And so, right. Do yeah. you even say something? Brother? Yeah. So the, the, the sins of, of the elders in the time of, uh, of the people in the time of Israel, uh, what God was showing Ezekiel when he took him up, that they were really reenacting of, of something that took place in the beginning, which in essence, it wasn't a light thing, what they were doing. It wasn't just a little sin, you know what I'm saying, here and there. Uh, no, they had become um, participants of the great transgression that took place in the beginning. They had become guilty of that, Right. In, in, yes. in many ways, it, it, they had become, you know, participants. Of well, that here's great the issue, right? Here's the issue is that, is that what we have, uh, again, like we've talked about before, there are only there are only two classes of of people, and therefore right, yeah. two classes of congregations that exist right. upon the planet. There are the children of darkness or the yes. children of light. Right, the the well, desire yeah. of God, it, brother Jeremy, could you read? To, I think it's in Deuteronomy thirty-two. God's intent for His people. Uh, yeah. The the national temple was meant to be symbolic of the temple of the nation itself, as Paul would go on to reveal to us. But the temple of God is not made with hands, made out of stone and wood, but the temple of God is within you. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know. So even though there was a physical temple, what was actually taking place in the public setting, in, in blatant, you know, visible setting, was, was actually the reflection of the true reality of what was taking place within the collective temple of God, his people. And and that's what he said. Right. I think it's, right. I think it's it's uh, Deuteronomy thirty two. Yeah. So, uh, could you read to us eight and nine, brother Jeremy? Yes. <clears throat> and when the Most High divided, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob 
is the lot of his inheritance. Right. So basically he said, I gave the nations of the world to the devil. <laughs> he could have them. He said, but, 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 but verse 9, he says, but my people were my portion. Israel at the beginning, right? They were my portion, my inheritance, or literally uh, they became my territory. They became my land. They became the people themselves, my habitation. They were meant to be uh, the collective habitation whereby I could express myself through them, my spirit flowing mm -hmm. through them to affect the nations of the world, the sons of Adam. And this is why when we see what we're talking about right now in Ezekiel chapter 8, the very first thing he draws his attention to is that ancient platform that is, is at the north gate, right? When you come in, it, it represents the perspective of heaven. And, and, and look at Leviticus chapter 1, Brother Jeremy. Would you read why this was such an egregious thing uh, in, in, in Leviticus 1.11? Or read 10 and 11 to us, would you? Yes. I think that's where it is. There we go. And if yes. is that it? When and if his offering be of the flocks? Yes, Leviticus one verse ten and eleven. Okay. And if his offering be of the the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for a burnt offering, he shall bring it a male without blemish, and he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. So there again we see that phrase northward at the north. That's how it was in the tabernacle of the wilderness and that's how it was in the temple which Solomon built. This northern entrance that that uh, that had this seat of jealousy or this ancient platform, which had been set up there under the days of Manasseh, the idol was gone at this particular location. The idol was gone, but the platform remained. It's almost as if what we were talking about, it represents the ancient rebellion, the vestiges of it. They never removed it. And, I mean, and, why, why, why that specific part of, of, yeah. the, of the temple? Um, how would they know this in the natural what they're doing? You have to believe that they're being given over to a satanic spirit that is leading them to direct and specific parts of the temple. That's crazy right? stuff, to, right? To, That's to, crazy what you're saying. To perform these things. <laughs> to perform it these is. things. Somebody, somebody that knows something. Mm -hmm. and, and and that that uh, act is a direct rebellion against God. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's what you're saying, brother. That's that's what makes it so freaky to me and so dark is that what you said, they didn't know what they were doing. That's the point. But they were so mm -hmm. saturated with another spirit, right? The spirit of the devil himself. Right. So that his will was flowing in and through them in the very house of God and where it was set up. It's a mockery, right? It's, it's, it's a blasphemy of, 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 uh, and it's, and it's crazy, brother, because that's, 
that's really what we have been saying the last, I don't know, seven months, eight months, I think, yeah. is that the church is being driven by a spirit, that, whether they realize it or not, by the things they're doing, where they're going, what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing happening. You yeah. can't see it in the natural unless you have spiritual eyes, you know, unless the Lord, you know, takes it between the heavens Reveal. and the earth. Yeah. Like, like he did Ezekiel, like, hey, check this out. But let me show you what's really going on, what the church is really doing and saying. Incredible. You know, mm-hmm. right? That, that's what we've been trying to say. It's exactly what we're saying right now. And also note, uh, Rabbi Eliezer said this in his commentary concerning the north. He said that he pointed out that it was also the northern section of the sanctuary where the the holy place and and the you know in the northern part of the temple where the holy place is where they put the table of showbread. And he said that the table of showbread was meant to be symbolic of, of Israel's wealth and material blessing. But the mm. fact that it was that it was but the fact that it was placed on the north toward the north gate which symbolizing heaven as as i understand it uh is that once they entered the north gate they're meant to be confronted with the lamb and instead they're Mm -hmm. confronted with the lamb and the platform of the image of jealousy and and what it what they were supposed to do when they came to the lord uh, was to leave the material blessings outside. And the reason the table of showbread which symbolized their material prosperity and, and wealth of the nation was on the north, it was symbolic to say all wealth, all materialism, everything that has to do with the five physical senses is meant to be checked out and subjugated to the authority and rule of the Spirit of Heaven, the Lord God Himself. You check your, 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 your baggage at the door. You come with a different attitude, but instead, uh, you know, the North was symbolizing their place of surrendering to the material and the sensual life and entering into the spiritual life to heaven's authority and the sacrifice for sin. Uh, instead, right. at, at, <laughs> and it's at this time of a lul, which made it even more egregious, what they're being, what he's being shown is the seed and the image of jealousy. He sees the platform, the foundation of it, you know, uh, which which I won't get into, but, but in the house of God. So the gate is where they enter. The seat, in essence, was evoking sensuality, brother. There's a sensual yeah. component here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you know what, brother? Let me say. Let me just share this story to maybe communicate uh, 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 something uh, to give an idea. Because again, we, we we've talked about it, but I'm being trying to be really delicate. In the 1980s, there was a a, a famous uh, movement, you know, the evangelist that was going around the world. And his ministry was was marked with with uh, with the preaching of the gospel, and and he and he was he was known as like a, this strict holiness preacher, right? And dealing with the sins of the nation. <laughs> but to the outward, it would seem as if, you know, that the message and, and the power of the organization, uh, it symbolized, uh, you know, the, the straight and the narrow, so to speak. But I was young. I was in my early twenties, like 23 years old, 24 years old. And I went back 
uh, to one of the conferences they held at, at, at the media headquarters and, and, and the ministry headquarters there. And what was interesting was that, you know, I came as a young man all on fire for God, uh, totally embracing the message that I saw being preached over television. When I got to the sanctuary for the first time, my wife and I, I remember being a street a street guy, right, coming from the streets before I got saved. I remember how much it struck me that the middle section of the of, of the of the church had been roped off for the wealthiest of donors, and that that there was a pervading a sense of sensuality in the air. The women were all made up. That the nothing wrong with makeup. But I'm just saying, but but it was the way they made themselves up the tightness of the dresses, the shortness of the skirts. And I thought, this doesn't make sense to or line up with the kind of message that's preached from here. And the <laughs> there was a sensuality, is my point, that though the yeah. outward was, was meant to project the awesome holy God, the truth of the matter is, is that the people themselves, even then, were already being infiltrated by a spirit of, of of the world, of sensuality, because that's what that platform was. That's what stood there. That's what Manasseh put there. Uh, without getting too graphic, it was it was the symbol of Ashtara. It was the female, the feminine, the 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 embracing of sensuality within the house of God, and it's the gate where they entered. And that's where the seat was, and it evoked a sensuality. It was symbolic as well, what Ezekiel was seeing, of what was pervading the culture. It's the first thing he showed him. And then that brings us to verse 5. Could you read verse 5 to us, Brother Jeremy? As we get ready to close here. <laughs> it says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes, now the way toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. So the image of jealousy is now in the entry. There's two gates we're talking about here. First, there's the the, the, the more uh, uh, removed northern gate, and then he comes in closer into the courtyard, and now he's entering into the to the the uh it's described as the northward at the gate of the altar see the where the seat was or the platform was is where the lambs would be slaughtered and prepared to be brought to the altar a type of the cross so the image had moved from the platform and been placed <laughs> my god <laughs> lord jesus help us <laughs> it had been removed and brought right to the gate that's where the image was. The platform was over there, but the image now had been brought further into the in interior part of the temple where the altar of God was. And that's where the entrance of uh, the entry into the altar, the priest would go through this gate, this door, and enter into the general courtyard where the brazen altar, the brazen labor were. That's where they would transfer the lamb into the hands of other priests. They would bring the prepared lamb, lay it on the fires of the altar, and offer it as sacrifice for the sins of the people. But instead, again, the image is no longer on the platform. It's now right where the symbol of the cross is. 
Mm. Right. The gate of the altar, as they go further, what he sees is the image of jealousy at the entrance to the altar where the sacrifice is to be laid on the altar. See, what was being revealed is that their hearts were totally sexually compromised, given to the spirit of the age. It is a great mystery, brother. (laughs) Yes, it is a great mystery. And it's one that I, I have thoughts and opinions on, which I won't share today. But I don't, I have never really fully understood what is it that propels darkness toward the sexual. And I'm being delicate, and please forgive me if I'm offending anyone, but what is it? Uh, and, and, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that someday, or maybe not. I don't know. I just find it really interesting. Uh, why is that? Yeah, but their heart, the their heart, huh? Throughout it the is, Bible, it is a good, it is a, it is yeah. a question that is. you have to ask because of the, it's the moral sins of the church. Um, you spoke about the '80s, where you know, sexual nature. Even now, even now, I mean, yeah. how many, how yeah. many, uh, how many pastors have come out and they're asking for forgiveness, but they're not sharing what they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's happening in the dark. It's happening in the dark, in the imagery of of, of their minds, right? And Mm -hmm. and inside the very minds of of, of people. This is where all these dark secrets are taking place. They may not be in the literal temple now, but we are the temple of God. That's right. What's taking place in the north part of your body? Mm -hmm. It's your mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's what uh, imageries are there? You know yeah. what sensuality is hidden in there? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this, this, this is the call to holiness now. Yes. Right. And, and yes. trust me, we, we before we do that, you know, and like you said, you know, we, our background is we came from the streets, man. We know all that right. stuff. Yeah, we and do. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a daily <laughs> thing, you know, that we have to crucify ourselves to these desires, evil desires that are getting more and more evil. Yes. Very much you so. You know, throughout the throughout the word of God, it's it you see it. When whenever you, you see about idolatry or idol worship, sexuality is always linked to it. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think we may have a clue about this that a lot of it derives too from the days of Noah. Hmm. What would happen? I right. think we can get a clue of what, why this transpired. You know, when you when you read a little bit deeper, you know, uh, from you know, of uh, how these fallen angels taught, right? The women to be central and so forth. But, but just my point, brother, it's it's not off. What uh, what you're saying is correct, brother Marty and brother Fernando. It's it's really throughout the Bible. Whenever you see idolatry, you're going to see sexual acts, deviancy lewdness, right? Lust yeah. uh, that is associated with idolatry, associated with idol worship and so forth. Yeah, and I think the, the ultimate point here is is what the prophet's being, uh, you know, shown and what he reveals is, is that, is what God begins to reveal, is that when they come to this point sexually, uh, immorally, uh, it's, it's, it's a larger, once it's public like that, it's a larger uh, representation 
of of something that occurred over time, you know, in the right. inner world, right. in the private workings, which is why immediately after this, which we'll look at tomorrow, he goes into the ancients and their hidden practices. You know, he it's almost yeah. as if he's trying, right? It's almost as if he's trying to say what emitted from the leadership uh, has now saturated the people. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know and, I I think about that, brother Marty. Like you said, through time, right? This this this, this begins to happen in private with with the ancients, the leadership of the church, mm-hmm. and then it saturated the body of or the body of Christ, the people, and mm-hmm. and that's yeah. where these these doctrines are formulated. Yeah, you know uh, yeah. that 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 ultimately give way to this. You know, yes. even as far as you spoke about the image being right next to the altar of sacrifice, right? Yeah. To the point where you use the very cross of Christ to mm-hmm. to justify sin, these kinds wow. of sins. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly where we were headed. Amen. You're right, brother. Right? Like, that, was, like, that is yes. that is satanic, my brother. Mm-hmm. My brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I, man, I just talking about it. I, wow. I mean, think about think about today where we at, where we're at, not just as a society, but as a uh, as a as the people of God, and look how much the sexual deviancy has come. Which again, which you would just to harp on and piggy bank on what you both said, that this didn't just happen overnight. It, it's developed in time, and it's all mm-hmm. a consequence of false doctrine, of false you know of all, that's what it produces. But just look how it is he's affected where, you know, not, not to get political or anything, but this is true. Look how much uh, harm is doing to our children in this house. You know, when you hear about mm-hmm. children, Manasseh, you spoke about King Manasseh, who willingly gave his son to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. How, how, you know, how uh, to please a God, to please think about it. And, and just look at where we're at. I was talking about that with, with my wife just yesterday. You know, it, it's afraid. You know, not that's not for us. It's for our children, how they're being yes. sexualized. How, how you know, pedophilia. Uh, that law that just passed, right, about with children and 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 glorifying and and all the child uh, sex trafficking. All of that is just a component of something deeper that took place that did not happen overnight. But this is what we yeah. have come to, and it's only going to get worse. It's it's frightening what you're talking about. Um, it's frightening. Uh, let, let, let's 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 bring this to a close uh, soon here. But but let's let, let think of what we're talking about here. Remember where they're located now. Uh, what what? Well, he's taken deeper now. It's right at the door. They carry the lamb to the door. It's handed to another priest. And he turns and places it on the altar, but but right there at the entrance is the entrance of of of, of uh, Inanna or or Ashtaroth, call her what you will. Um, you know, there, she's known by many names, but that's the image that was there. It had it had come to the door that leads to the cross, so to speak. And <laughs> what it represents is. Is 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 a couple of things here. One, understand that that where, what we're witnessing right now, what Ezekiel's witnessing right now, the women aren't allowed there. 
the men are. And it's why that, that that's it's why that particular image was female. What God was showing him was that my men have been overcome. My priests have been overcome. The doctrine that you spoke of, Brother Fernando, that has pervaded the modern day culture, that we can we can cleave to our sin and go right to the cross. You know what I mean? I mean there's no yeah. that that image shouldn't be there at the cross. Period. <laughs> it yeah. should be removed. It should be removed. <laughs> but we're being told that, you know, we can do whatever we want and flippantly they're going in and out of this door on a daily basis and the image is never taken away. So the men are dealt with. Then the women are in the outer court. But see, I think what God is saying in the third abomination, which we'll look at, is that, hey, guys, uh, you know why the women are out there crying for Tammuz? Because you have turned them into that kind of a vessel. See, that's we don't um, want to go there. but <laughs> Wow. Powerful. It is. You know, they are a reflection of your own compromise, men. You know, you didn't want yeah. holy women of old, right? You know, you, you, you turned them out in my house. Ah, uh, it's stuff that, it, it's incredible, right? It's a society that was given to secret pleasure, right? A, a void of conviction, blatant in hypocrisy. This was the their condition uh, that they were under, and it is the same condition that the American compromised men in leadership are now under. It represents their thoughts. Like Brother Fernando said, it represents their thoughts. And so the result, the conclusion of this very thing, he says, what this is producing, he says, is in verse 6. Can you read that in verse 6, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, he said, furthermore, unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. Than these, yeah. So uh, that's where we'll pick it up tomorrow. And what the Lord tells him is that, do you see what they're doing, what the people are doing? He says the result is going to be that I should go far off from my sanctuary. Now, we know what he's talking about there, what the Lord's Spirit is referring Ezekiel to, is the Holy of Holies. And 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 so he's literally saying to us that the, the result will be over an extended period of time that he will remove himself from the Holy of Holies of your own heart, man. That's how serious this is. And I don't mean to put some heavy trip on people listening, but you know we all better better cry out to God for mercy, man. So he says that I should go far off from my from my sanctuary. That that's that's what's going to happen. That I my presence has begun to leave because the culture, the house of Israel, the nation, is like this. And 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 the, and the next three things that he's going to 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 reveal uh, will 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 be the, the the culmination of centuries of behavior, decades of rejecting the voices of the prophets, uh, the fruit produced in the hearts of the congregation of the nation as a result of the dereliction of duty 
from the ancients of Israel, the elders of Israel. That's why the whole vision starts with the elders before him. And 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 again, what we said uh, that the Lord revealed is that the sin of the collective body of the nation had had transcended or pierced the natural world. That's why Ezekiel was in between the heaven and the earth. That's that's why he carried him there, because he, he he was trying to express to us who would read about these things later, is that they had reached the point where their sins no longer were confined to the natural realm, but the force of it, the egregious nature of it, the the the, the demonic satanic component of it, which is heightened because precisely because they know the word. They know the Bible. Mm. It, it, the, 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 <laughs> the, the heathen nations of the world are the heathen nations of the world, but you add a component of, of any measure of light, and here we have Solomon's temple and, 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 and generations of a, of a formulated establishment with the oracles of God. And by this point, you have Jeremiah walking the paved stones of Mount Moriah. That's the final prophet that's there. You got Jeremiah walking around here and seeing these things. You got Ezekiel, Daniel in captivity. This is the lateness of the hour, and the mixture of the two caused it to to leave just the sound of the natural realm and bring that demonic energy into the space between heaven and earth, the very place where principalities and powers dwell. That's why God said, this is why I'm removing my presence, and they're only five years away from ultimate destruction. He left himself a remnant, though, and, and that is our hope. God, help us, whatever it takes, Whatever it takes, especially now, brothers and sisters, we are entering into the time. It's been 19 years for us since 9-11. It was 17 years when, when Ezekiel has this vision. It was the month of Elul. We're talking about these things not by design, trust me, on, on our part. But we've come into this at the same time frame. I'm not trying to be hyper-spiritual here, but it's ironic. That's all I'll say. All of us need to reflect, all of us. Starting with me, this is serious, and uh, and we need God's help to overcome. If there's idols in our heart, we need to desperately cry out to him and say, God, take these from me. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't want an image uh, at the gate of the entrance to my relationship with God. Um, I, right? I need him to free free me, my mind, my heart. Some of you have been going through these things. Some of you have been dealing with images in your mind, things you haven't thought about for years. Suddenly they're popping up. I mean, I don't know. I hate going down lists like that because, but I sense what I sense. And and you're not living unholy, ungodly lives, but you're being bombarded by the spirit of the age. There is a spirit, and I'll just close with this, that that is that is overtaking uh, the nation. It's already well into its thing. I mean, that's what we saw in, in, in this gathering on, on Washington over the weekend, <laughs> an inability to repent or even know how. And we pray that God never removes himself from our heart because if his heart 
is is if our life is as such a nature where where we let him go and and we put anything on an equal footing with him without remorse there is no hope if we can live and walk within the confines of the things of god and have no conviction there's no hope and and that's where they reached and, and and we're not saying well, this is going to happen to us next week. It might, though. I mean, and that's what we're learning about. You know, there was a few men in chapter 9, verse 4, that Brother Jeremy read today that were crying and sighing for the things that they saw, right? But their cries and their godliness, he goes on to say, as a matter of fact, that if, if Daniel and Noah and Job were living in the city, they would be the only ones who would be saved. That's how all-pervasive and how the determinate gavel of heaven had come down on the judicial bench that said guilty is charged, and, and here's the sentence. God help us, all of us, to understand these things and to seek him, to seek his mercy, to seek his delivering power in whatever place of your life you still struggle with. Because the days ahead, you're not going to be able to, to try and seek him at these levels while we yet have a time. Jesus called these days a time where iniquity is going to abound to such an extent that the love of many will wax cold. The spiritual quality and the spiritual strength will be absent precisely when we need it most. Lord, help us to hear what you're saying to all of us. In Jesus' name, we love you. And uh, even so, come quickly, Lord, is my prayer. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I'll share this. Um, <clears throat> I've been reading Jude, the little book of Jude, and it's, it's really, really been speaking to my heart. And, you know, everything we've been saying for the last few months, um, you know, Jude is, 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 is the book that leads you into the book of Revelation. And it's left there by the Holy Spirit uh, for a purpose and for a reason. And this is how he opens up his letter. Um, you know, and he says this, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified, a call to holiness, a call to separation, by God the Father, and preserved. Hmm. In Jesus Christ and called. They are the called. He he starts off his book, this this book that leads into the last book of the Bible, and he speaks to those who are being called to holiness and separation. A separation is taking place. That's what we've been saying. And why? To be preserved for what's coming. And to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes. They are the called. And he said this, you know, uh, speaking about the things we spoke about in this podcast in verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, unbridled lust, that's what that means, and denying, that's what they're doing, Denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
separation that's taking place is 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 real, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those that are listening. Um, God's people are being called to holiness, to remove whatever idols and imagery are before us, to be separated and be preserved so that we can be one of those faithful people that are called, you know, and, and, and those who await the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is a rejection of Jesus Christ taking place. These men were ordained from of old. They're ungodly men. This is what the Bible is saying. I tremble. I tremble um, when I read these scriptures. Yes. Because I am fully aware of my own nature, my own humanity. And it only helps me to get closer to the Lord when I realize, you know what, (laughs) I need him more. (laughs) I need him now more than ever. Yes, Lord. And I, I'm sensing God's presence dealing with some people right now that that yeah. this podcast is highlighting certain things in your life that he's been telling you to remove for a long time. But the truth is you have not wanted to. Mm. Right? Maybe you've been afraid of, of that void that would be left. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and maybe you have tried and you keep coming back to it. But it's only leading you down a treacherous road. But Jesus said, yeah. he came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he can heal you. He can deliver you. He can save you to the uttermost. Yeah. Hold on to the Lord's unchanging hand. and He'll mm. lead you. He'll lead you out. Amen. 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 Praise God. Would you allow us to pray for you, you that are listening? I don't want to hang up without, you know, uh, joining our hearts with yours, the cry of your heart as we sense it, as we feel it. You know, it's just a simple question. What are you going to do? What are you going to do What what God is commanding us to do? To mm-hmm. be separate. And we want to pray with you. We want to believe God. Wherever you're at, wherever you're, you find yourself at right now, let us pray with you today. And Brother let Jeremy, join our faith. Yes. And Brother Jeremy, I'm sorry. Uh, also include, uh, I just sense in my spirit, you know, that uh, others that that they're living right and they love the Lord, but they're in their hearts they they know certain people. Maybe they're. Their sons, their daughters, their grandchildren, their yeah. neighbors, whatever you know that that they know. Um, it's not necessarily for them, but they have a heart for those that they know are struggling, and and so include them, you know, and their loved ones in those prayers, if you don't mind. Yes, yes. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we we come to you, Lord. Mm. How can we? not sense, Lord, what we sense today after hearing the word of God, Lord, and the convicting power that as we are all reflecting individually, Lord, we're reflecting in our lives and where we're at, God, in this point, in this time, Lord. Lord, as we we sense that you're speaking to us, that you're drawing us to you, Lord. 
Father, because you are wanting, Lord, to draw us unto yourself, Lord. And how many people, Lord, that may be listening today to this podcast are feeling, Lord, the, the pull, the struggle, Lord, the, the, the mind that is being pulled one way and another, God. Even those, Lord, that love you, that love you, that want to serve you with all their heart, yet there is a pull inside of them, God. Maybe there is kingdoms and places in our hearts that we have not given to you or we have not given you access to those places, Lord. But this moment, we want to open up our hearts today, Lord, and allow you, Holy Spirit, to come and exert our hearts to come Lord, and search the deep places of our hearts, God, that we would not, Lord God, be part of the great transgression, that, Lord, that everything within us we surrender to you, Lord, understanding that you know us better, even better than what we know ourselves, not just for the needs of individuals, but for those of us who carry the burden of family members, of children, some who have husbands, some who have wives, Lord, that are battling, God. That, Lord, that, that, that sends a heavy burden, God, for mothers, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, cousins, friends, Lord. That they can see with their own eyes where they're heading and they're crying out to God. That today, Lord, you would bring encouragement and bring, Lord, strength unto the people. That, God, that our prayers are not in vain, God. That, God, you are able to move. You're still able to save. You're still able to deliver. You're still able, Lord, to set the captive free, Lord. That there's no boundary yeah. for you, God. That there is no place, Lord, no deep place, no no high place that you cannot go through. Father, and we put a demand on heaven today, humbly as your children. But we put a demand on heaven for the souls of man. For the souls, God, of our loved ones, for the souls of those, Lord God, that are going the wrong way. Father, in this hour, we need a divine intervention today, Lord. We need you to send your spirit and your word unto those, God, that are searching, that don't know how to break this cycle in their lives, that don't know how to break this bondage of religion. This bondage, Lord, that many have found ourselves in for many years. But today is the day, God, that something can be quickened in our lives, God. And you can do a work that only God can do, Lord. We, that you can do a work that when it's all finished, we can say this was God. This was truly God. Father, we dare to pray a prayer that many times we dread to make. And that is do what you have to do. But bring those, Lord, to you. Do whatever it takes, Lord, for their soul is is much more is much more uh, of, of value that we rather that they come with a broken leg, a broken hand, than to go, Lord, to hell with their full body, Lord. God, we pray that you have grace and mercy. Reach yeah. out, move, Holy Spirit, even as we hang up. Lord, that you would continue to deal with our hearts. Father, we, we ask you to examine our hearts as your servants, that you, Lord, will continue to perform the work that you have begun. Yes, Father, I pray for my brothers. 
I pray for Brother Marty. I pray for Brother Fernando. And I pray for your servants all over this world that are, Lord, are preaching the uncompromisable word of God, Lord, that are standing, Lord, like watchmen, God, in this hour, that are standing, Lord, at the front of the lines, Lord, that, Lord, that even our suffering can be someone else's joy. Father, we pray that you'll give us your grace as we go forward in these podcasts, as we continue, Lord, to go deeper into the realm of the Spirit where we can behold the wonderful things that God has for us. Lord, continue to give us grace to go on and continue to give us the strength to hold on in this hour. Jesus, we magnify you. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We thank you. We thank you for the Godhead that is working even in this hour, Lord, and sustaining us. We bless you. We thank you. And we honor you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We pray that you've been blessed. We pray that we know that God has spoken to your life. And please join us tomorrow. As if the Lord allows it allows us, we'll be going into the second part of the second abomination found in the book of Ezekiel. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up. <laughs>